Have any of you ever seen that commercial where there's three people behind them and they talk about, you know, do you have a resume? And he hands them a receipt. And this guy says, it's not, this is not a resume. This is a receipt. And then the other guy says, well, are you into accounting? I'm totally into accounting. One, two, three, four. Anybody seen that one? Well, that was the one we're going to see. And all of this hogwash about the FCC saying we're going to have to do that, that was made up, okay? That's not the case. I was trying to set up this uh, little program. But that's all right, guys. We'll just go ahead from there. The one thing that I want you to pick up and you may not have, is the resume. And he hands the resume back to this guy, and the guy says, this isn't a resume, it's a receipt. We're going to look this morning at the resume of the Messiah. So turn, if you would, to Matthew chapter 1. You may have never thought about it this way, but Jesus had a pretty incredible resume. In fact, Matthew's resume of Jesus is a shockingly, shockingly candid resume. And it's shocking for several reasons. This is one of the ways that I know that the Bible is true. God records for us things in His Word that if a man was just writing them, he would never include these things in his writing. If he was trying to lift up who God is and lift up who Christ is, there would be many things that a person, if they were making up this story about God coming to earth, they would have never, ever included it. And one of them is the resume of Jesus Christ as the Messiah. Look at verse 1. Now, how many just loves to read through the genealogies? I mean, that's just your favorite thing to read through. Well, the reason why it's not fun for us is because we're not of a Jewish heritage. But it was very, very important if you were a Jew, the genealogy was critically important because it was their resume. If you wanted to know what a person was like, they would say, my great-great-great-great-grandfather, and they would start back, and they would start naming the people that were in their history. And if they were good people, then they had a good resume. If there were some bad people, what would that person do that was giving his resume? He'd leave those out. He'd just leave out the bad, you know, the the in-laws and the outlaws that none of you want to include in your family. You don't tell anybody about. Well, they would do the same thing. In verse 1, it says, The record of the genealogy of Jesus the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac. Isaac, the father of Jacob, and Jacob, the father of Judah and his brothers. Now, Matthew's giving a resume here of Jesus. Judah was the father of Perez and Zerah by Tamar. Perez was the father of Hezron, and Hezron the father of Ram. Ram was the father of Amminadab, and Amminadab the father of Nashon. And Nashon the father of Salmon. And Salmon was the father of Boaz by Rahab. Boaz was the father of Obed by Ruth, and Obed the father of Jesse. 
Jesse was the father of David the king. David was the father of Solomon by Bathsheba, who he had been, who had been the wife of Uriah. And we could go on and down and read the names. But here's what I want you to know about this. It is a shockingly candid resume. If you go back in the Old Testament and you read about Judah and Tamar, and you read some of the stories that were included in these people's lives that is given as a resume for the Messiah, you will shake your head and you will wonder why in the world were these included in Jesus' resume. Did you notice there that said the wife of Bathsheba? Connecting the greatest in his resume with the worst episode of his life. And said he's the wife of Uriah and reminds us of the one whom David had killed in battle because David was committing adultery with his wife. Now what does all of this mean? What all this means is, number one, if this was being made up, none of that would have been included. Two, the Bible is telling us that even in Jesus' own family, His own resume, there were broken families, there were fractured families, there were blended families, there were sordid trauma in families. These were broken people who needed a Savior. These were people who had deep sins, People who had done horrible things and they needed a Savior and they were in Jesus' own family. This is not the type of resume that you would hand in. Some of you have had to deal with interviewing people and getting resumes. And it's one of the most frustrating things in the world to get a resume from people if you've ever done that. And uh, some of them will say, well, what qualifies you for this job? Well, I've really not done anything, but I think I can do this job. And some will say, well, why do you want to get this job? Because I'm tired of living in my mother's basement, and I hope to get a little cash in order to move out. I mean, you just get all kinds of stuff when, you, when you're looking at a resume of people. It's almost hilarious. Several years ago, I was pastoring a large church, and we had a large staff, and we had, we had a, an, administ, an administrative secretary who took care of this large staff. But the pastor also had a secretary to take care of all of the things that he had to do. Our secretary retired, so it fell on me, of course, to hire a new secretary. You wouldn't believe the parade of people that came through. I remember in particular this one woman. And of course you ask, well, why would you want this job? And what do you think you could bring to this, to this job? This woman started crying immediately. And she started telling all of the difficulty and trauma in her family. And she said, I just think it would be so great to, ha to be here every day to have you to counsel me and help me with my problems. And I thought, I feel sorry for her, and I prayed with her, but that's not the kind of secretary I need, that I have to spend all of my day 
counseling her and dealing with her problems. So you get all kinds of different people and their resumes. And Matthew 1 gives us the good, the bad, and the ugly. It's shocking. You'd never even think that. But you read through some of these names and you say, why in the world would that be included? All of us here are broken people. All of us here have fractured parts of our family. All of us here have things that that we wouldn't probably want other people to know about our family. We have people in the past that uh, we probably wouldn't bring up and want other people to know. I found out that one of my relatives was a horse thief and almost got hanged for it. So that's not something you really want to tell, is it? But I've just told a hundred people about it. And so I think if we had a testimony time, who has the worst family, I think that'd be interesting, wouldn't it? And we could all stand up and we could tell about this person and this person and this person in our family. How many of you, and I know this is Christmas and we want to be charitable, but how many of you would say that you've got some drama in your family, it usually comes out in Christmas, and uh, you've you've got some pretty... Uh, tough things to deal with in your family. How many of you would say that? Most all of us would have that kind of a thing going on in our family. But there's good news. Jesus had that in his family, and it was named. Now, the second thing that I want you to see is this. He had an incredible, unprecedented resume. So on one hand, Matthew gives us all of the warts and all of the difficulties and all of the sins, even the sins of the very best one on his resume. If you had King David on your resume, that would be pretty big. But then you found out what he went through, that would bring him down. But I want you to see in Luke chapter 2, an incomparable resume. Look in... In chapter 8, excuse me, chapter 2, verse 8. In the same region there were some shepherds staying out in the fields and keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were terribly afraid, and you and I would be also. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. For behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which shall be for all people. For today, in the city of David, there has been born for you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there appeared with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, listen to this, Glory to God in the highest. And we sung that while ago in Tambra's Christmas song that she wrote. Glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace among men with whom He is pleased. And you can go on, and I appreciate Jason challenging us to to read some of the Old Testament passages and read the passages this time of year. Now this is incredible Because Jesus is the only one that can give 
a resume like his. Only one. What if you were interviewing Jesus for the role of Messiah? Well, what experience do you have? Well, I created everything that is. You see all of this? I created it. Well, what other things do you have in your resume? Well, I judged Sodom and Gomorrah, took them off the map because of their sin. I have the right to rule and to judge because I am the king of the whole earth. King of the whole earth? And so... Here's Jesus giving this resume of all that he did in the Old Testament. Jesus was Jesus before he was born a baby. And you see him in the Old Testament judging and ruling. You see him doing miraculous things. And can you see all of that on Jesus' resume? Nobody has a resume like Jesus. Would you hire this man to be the Messiah, if you knew all that he did, you absolutely would hire him as the Messiah. The Jews had been looking for the Messiah. God had sent prophets to tell them that the Messiah was coming. But for 400 years before Jesus was born, there had been no word from God. God had sent no prophets to the nation of Israel. For 400 years, nothing, silence from heaven. Have you ever felt like that? God, where are you? I'm praying, but it seems like you're not there. I cry out to you, and there's just silence. God may be ready at that time as you continue to cry out to Him to send the Messiah into your life. There's no one, no one, that has the resume that Jesus does. He is eternal God, which means in eternity past, He has been God, and in eternity future, He will still be God. Can you imagine? Now listen with me for just a moment. God piercing the universe that He created, coming out of His transcendent glory, ruling all of time and all of history, and Him piercing through the universe to come to a place like Bethlehem. He could have picked a lot of better places. I've been to Bethlehem. It's a dump. It was a dump then, and it's a dump now. But that's where Jesus came to be born a baby. He also came to not a wealthy family and a family with a good reputation. He came to a young couple's life that they were already put on the bottom rung. And the reason why they were marginalized and looked down upon is because Mary was pregnant before she should have been pregnant. Can you imagine Joseph talking to his buddies? Well, why are you going to marry Mary? Well, you see, an angel came and told me that she was going to be pregnant by the Holy Ghost. And Joseph's friends would say, could you come up with a better story than that? You have had to have sex with her before marriage, which absolutely is wrong, or she would have had to have had relations with some other person, which means you're absolutely crazy for marrying her. 
So they were on the bottom rung of society. They always had that hanging over their head. If you've ever had people talking about you, if you've ever had people accusing you of things, listen, Jesus started out that way. He picked that very family. He picked that very marginalized, bottom of the rung, bottom of the culture, would always be whispered about, would always be talked about. That is the family that Jesus picked. Isn't that amazing? Our Savior could have been born anywhere. He could have been born to any family. But He was born to a family that probably stayed poor all of their life. A family that eventually would be a one-parent family because at some point, Joseph, the father, had died. Jesus was well acquainted with trouble and family difficulty for his father had died and he as the eldest had to take over to provide. So a one-parent family raised the children, the brothers and the sisters of Jesus, the half-brothers and sisters. And so there was difficulty in Jesus' family. There was hardship. Do you have hardship in your family? Do you have difficulty? Do you have one-parent families and parents that struggle? Jesus picked that very life to come and to live as the Messiah. He could have picked anywhere, anytime, any place. He picked one of the worst places on the planet, Bethlehem. He picked a bottom rung of an impoverished, talked about people, and he got with them. Can you imagine the king of all the universe doing that? Picking the lowest part of society, the poorest part of society probably, and picking them to be his family. Now, can you imagine the king of all the earth? Just remember this statement if you forget everything else. God does not own a watch. God does not have a calendar hanging somewhere in God's office, if He has an office. Because He is the eternal one. He is the one that time means nothing because He rules over all of time. But He subjected Himself to the constraints and the limitations of time Can you imagine God slowing down and coming to a screeching halt and getting into an earth that's bound by time? The eternal one, the limitless one, being bound to space and time. I can't imagine the eternal God who made all of the universe shrinking down to become a baby. I could imagine Jesus coming as a full-grown man, and announcing to the world, I am the Messiah. You have been waiting for me. They've prophesied about me, and I am the one who has come. And He comes in blinding light, and He comes so all the world can see Him. One day that will happen. But now He comes as a baby, and hardly no one notices. There's some shepherds there, And no one cares about what shepherds think. They were also on the bottom rung of society. They smelt bad. If you've ever been around sheep, you're going to smell bad too. And so nobody cared about what the shepherds thought. And then there were these pagan people, these wise men that came from another country 
And the Jews could care less about them or anything they said. But there were also angels. Now, not many people saw the angels. There were probably only a dozen people at the most that witnessed Christ's birth. But that's what Jesus chose. He chose His birth. How He would be born. Who would see Him. Who would recognize Him. Who would be the ones to go out and tell others. Jesus orchestrated it all. Now, glory to God in the highest is what the angels said. And on earth, peace among men, verse 14, with whom He is pleased. Just look at that for a moment. The angels said, glory to God in the highest. Do you know what that means? That means as high as you can go in the transcendent glory of God, in the very holiest of holies, as high as you can go with God, there's rejoicing, there's joy, glory to God in the highest. You can't go any farther than the highest. It's the highest you can go. And so all of heaven and all of the angels that surround the throne of God, they were all rejoicing at this moment of Jesus becoming a man, becoming flesh. God wrapped Himself in human flesh. It was amazing even to the angels, and they rejoiced. Now look with me again. Verse 14. And on earth, peace among men with whom He is well pleased. So from the highest heights of glory to the lowest depths of the earth, there was something unprecedented happening. All of heaven and all of the earth should have been rejoicing. From the highest heaven all the way to earth. You know what that means for you and I? It means that we should be rejoicing that we should understand how amazing, how critical, how important it was that God chose to become a man. He lived in a uterus for nine months. He came through the birth canal. There wasn't any special operation of God. He was born exactly like you and I were. God drooled. God cried out. God excuse me, pooped. I don't know what kind of diaper they changed. He was just a normal child. And he grew up like any child would grow up, except he didn't disobey his parents. He did everything righteously. Can you imagine having a child like that? My goodness. A child that did everything that you asked. Everything that you said. But he grew up just like a normal child. And he lived 30 years as a common man that no one would notice. There were people that would brush up against God in flesh and they wouldn't even know it. There were people that would be standing talking about a table that they needed to be made because Joseph was a carpenter and Jesus would have followed his trade. And they didn't even know that they were talking to God. That Jesus would go to the market to get a sweet potato for his mom. I don't know if that ever happened or not. But let's just say that he went to the market. And the person at the market wouldn't even know that he was just a few feet from God. Isn't it amazing that God came to earth? 
Glory to God in the highest, and on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. Now, does that mean that there's always going to be peace on the earth? No, there never has been peace on the earth. People have been fighting and warring. Families have been fighting and warring against one another. Some of you are going to have crosswords exchanged tomorrow at Christmas with somebody in your family. There's always been difficulty and there's always been war. But here's what the angels meant. Because Jesus is born, you on earth now have the possibility to have peace with God in the highest. You have that chance of becoming a part of God's family because Jesus has been born. It changes everything. When you realize what God has done for you through Jesus Christ, it doesn't mean that your life will be perfect. It doesn't mean that everything will go great. But think about this. You can have an opportunity to have peace with the Creator of the world with the one who made you. What a wonderful opportunity that is. What does all of this mean for you? Turn in Isaiah. And Jason read this this morning, and I'm so glad that he did. Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6 and 7. Isaiah 9, verse 6 and 7. For a child will be born to who? To us. A child will be born to us. And the government will rest on his shoulders. One day Jesus will govern all the earth, but that hasn't happened. What that means there is, that the right to rule and to reign in your heart as you bow to Him. He is the King of heaven. He is the Lord of glory. And when you bow your knee to Him and you say, Jesus, I want you to take control of my life. He then becomes your Lord and your Savior and your Rescuer and your Manager. You don't say, Jesus, I want you to save me so I can get to heaven but I'm going to continue to run my life. You're not saved, if that's the way you're thinking. Jesus did not stay a baby, but He became a baby to become the Savior for us. For unto us, He has the right to rule. He made us. The government shall be upon His shoulder. Now listen to me quickly before I close. There are some people that think that God is just sort of up there somewhere. He's just sort of an impersonal force, like the force be with you in Star Wars. He's just, he's just kind of nebulous, and, and, and he, just, he made everything, but then he just kind of stayed away from all that's happening, and he just kind of let things happen. Some people believe that there really is no God, that everything just kind of happened And it's just kind of rolling along by random chance. And what happens, happens. And they believe in that. And then there's those who believe God's Word. And they say, there is a God who made everything. 
He has the right to rule everything and everyone. And he sent his son, Jesus, and the government, the right to rule the kingdom of heaven, rests on him alone. You've got to make a choice somewhere of whether you're going to believe that there's just some kind of God that you can't have a relationship with because he's an impersonal, impersonal force, or you've got to believe that all this just happened by chance, or you can believe that a Savior was born for us. That means we can have a personal relationship with the God who created us. It changes everything. You can't have a personal relationship with a force. You can't have a personal relationship with something out there that we can't really know and everybody makes up their own mind about who he is. But you can have a personal relationship with this one who was born for us. Look at verse 6 and it goes on. And his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, He is not a God who is a God be. He is God. All of the attributes of God, Isaiah is placing on the Messiah. Who God is, is who the Messiah is. And that's what Isaiah is saying. Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. And there will be no end to the increase of His government or peace. There's going to be no end to those who are in the kingdom of God. They live forever. He gives them eternal life and they shall never perish. That's a pretty good deal. I'll take that deal, won't you? This Messiah was born not just for the Jews, but this Messiah was born for us. There will be no end to the increase of His government of peace and on the throne of David and over His kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and righteousness. From then on and forevermore. How is this going to be accomplished? How can this happen? That you can become a part of the family of God. And that you can have the gift of eternal life. That you can have peace with the one who made you. How can this take place? The zeal of the Lord will perform this. He desires for you to become a part of His kingdom. He wants you to be a part of a kingdom that has no end. He wants you to know the joy and the fullness of having peace with the One who made you. What an offer. What an offer this is. Matthew chapter 1, verse 2 says, He shall save His people from their sin. That's a personal God. A God who knows your sins. A God who knows your family resume. The good, the bad, and the ugly. A God who knows you, the good, the bad, and the ugly. This rescuer, this Messiah, He shall save His people from their sins. That's good news. That's why the angels were shouting. That's why heaven was rejoicing. That's why there was glory to God in the highest. He shall save His people from their sins. Have you ever allowed that to happen in your life? Have you ever accepted the resume of the Messiah? Have you ever thought about all that 
Jesus has done and all of who Jesus is? Have you ever read enough of the Bible to say, God did all of this for me? God punctured time and space to become a baby and to live the life that He lived, perfect and righteous, and then to die on the cross. That's the most amazing story in the world. You know why people are so caught up in Marvel comics and superheroes? They want someone deep in their heart. They want a rescuer. They want someone to come from outer space and rescue them with supernatural powers. It's in the heart of man to have some kind of rescuer like that with supernatural powers. So they invent these comics and they invent these movies. Why is that in the heart of man? Because Jesus is that Messiah. Jesus is that all-powerful one. He has already come from heaven to earth to rescue you. What an incredible story. The question is, do you believe it or not? Let's pray. In just a moment, we'll sing our last song and we'll be done. But as your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed, as you think about what Jesus Christ has done for you, and you look at His resume, He has done more for you than anyone else could ever do. He has loved you more than anyone else could ever love you. He came to rescue you and to save you and to give you peace with your Creator. But there must be a choice made, and that choice has to be yours. Jesus, I bow before You. I take You as my Savior and Lord. I believe that You came and You left heaven to come to earth so You might rescue Your people from your sins. I pray that some of you will make that choice even today. Heavenly Father, thank You so much for all that You've done through Jesus Christ. Thank You for the resume of Christ. All that He did in the Old Testament. All that He did as we read the New Testament. How He loved. How He saved. How He forgave sin. All that He did to prove that He is God. And Lord, I pray there would be some today who would consider that. And that they would bow their knee before you, Lord Jesus, and come to trust you as their own Savior. And we ask this in Jesus' precious name. Amen.